being willing to maybe say, you know, I put in a lot of time and effort into this and it's not feeling right. And being willing to accept that and sit with it and figure out what about this is working and what isn't working and how can I shift and adjust what I'm doing so that it is more aligned with what I need to be doing. You thought it, but we said it. I'm Alexis, a certified leadership and life coach, certified postpartum doula, sourdough educator, CrossFit level one trainer, birth fit coach, a beauty counter brand advocate, and a mom to two kids. And I'm Sam, a certified and licensed therapist and mental health first aid trainer in a nine to five-ish job, along with also being a beauty counter brand advocate, in addition to being a new mom and open IVF storyteller. We consider ourselves to be walking balancing acts and fellow mindset shift mavens. Perspectively Yours is our platform where we dive headfirst into conversations on topics that can make or break us. We speak to women about the things we often think but don't say out loud and how we can shift our perspectives around them to build our resilience and normalize our experiences. This is for the woman who wants a full plate and a full cup without burning out. We're sharing our stories and inviting others to the table to provide insight on cultivating resilience, shifting your perspective, and moving forward. So let's spill the tea and get started. Hello, my friend. Welcome back. How's it going today? Oh, it's going great. We've got sun shining over here. So it's been a nice change from the dreary weather that's been here for the last couple of weeks. Me too. It's like streaming sunshine. So so, favorite. So good on the soul. Yeah, I saw or I read we have a a book that's called Sing a Song of Seasons that is a poem for every day. And it's just dated. But the one that we read yesterday or the day before was talking about how some days in February will be like this, where you get those occasional days in February where it's really beautiful and springy and just how like lovely it is to have that in the middle of winter. It was actually a couple of years back. I want to say more than a couple now. I'd say it was probably like Oh, goodness. It had to be like 2016, 2017, maybe when there were at the end of February. I want to say we had a couple of like 80 degree days. Oh, my gosh. Which is very out of the norm, but I enjoyed it. That seems just so unnatural. It is like, but I'm not going to complain. I one more thing on the weather. I had a memory pop up from three years ago when we had snow like a lot of snow this time and actually i think that three years ago it was a memory from two years before when we got like two feet of snow this time in february so february is just a wild card you never know are you gonna get two feet of snow or 80 degree days well that's never sure there's there's snow outside my window right now after we had a (laughs) fake spring a couple days ago so there's that oh man All right. Well, let's get off the weather topic. (laughs) (laughs) Start every episode about the weather. (laughs) It just starts so much this time of year. (laughs) I know because it feels so rare when we get such nice weather. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll digress. Okay. So today we really want to continue talking more about something that we've been talking about the last few episodes, 
that's been brought up, which is the idea of breadcrumbing, or I also refer to it as hopscotching, of like starting in one place professionally and finding your way doing other things and how each of those breadcrumbs or hopscotch numbers or whatever you want to call it leads us to where we're supposed to be. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I think having a name for it, even if it's not one of our two names, I think is helpful to wrap your head around what you're feeling and experiencing when things don't feel just right, but you're having a hard time articulating. And that's kind of how I started to to label it as breadcrumbing, because I started to think about and it actually started with dating, quite honestly, <laughs> before I met my husband. There were pieces, and I'll go, I'll use the dating reference because I think that can can be something more concrete for people to to understand. But when I was dating, <laughs> and my family used to joke that I was a serial dater, on a sidebar, dating is horrific. Mm-hmm. So Oh, I feel that so much. It's horrific. But I part of it was that I would meet people who there were parts of them that I liked or parts of the way that the relationship started to unfold that I liked that I wanted to take into a different relationship. And nobody's perfect. So I don't want to create this false expectation that anybody is ever going to meet all of your needs because that's that's not the way it works. But it was more so I would look at it in retrospect after something had ended, not so much in the moment. And that's where the resilience piece came from, is looking in the aftermath of a relationship not progressing and saying, what are the parts of this that I liked? And what are the parts of this that I didn't in what I'm looking for in that next relationship? And I think it's easier to think about in form of dating or relationships because we're not tied to that person until, you know, we decide to have a full commitment, whether that's marriage or or whatever it is that a commitment looks like for you. But with a career, sometimes it feels like we're stuck, that we have to stay in this one spot because this is what we graduated our college degree with or our master's in, and we've put our time and our energy and our focus in. And so it feels a little bit trickier to let go of the components of a job that no longer serve us. And so that is how I started to think about it with dating is what are the pieces that I want to move into this next relationship? And I think we need to look at our career and our interests in the same le- through the same lens that what are the pieces of this that are working and what do we want to move forward and what do we want to leave behind? Yeah, I wonder what it is too of the idea with a career that we have to just pick one thing when we're 18 years old and we enter college and that's the thing that we have to do for the rest of our lives. And I know for myself, it's like this huge sense of failure if I've chosen something and worked towards it and, you know, worked in that field and then decided this is just not working for me anymore. And I feel like I have really, I have messed up. And I just wonder like where that comes from. Do you have, do you think that you have an idea of where that comes from? Well, I more so have a question for you. Who is it that you think you're letting down? I think I'm letting down. I think that it's that I have the idea that I I chose the wrong thing, like that I made a mistake. It wasn't the right choice instead of it just it was the right choice right then. And that was and it's fine for it to change. 
But I do feel like I'm letting down my family when I have put in time and effort and money into something. And then I'm like, well, this actually isn't working for me. And I feel embarrassed, too, to be like, well, that was my passion for a while. And now I'm switching gears. And for everybody to sit back and and watch me continue to change what I'm doing and be like, there goes Alexis again, choosing something different. She can't just stick with one thing. So I think it's the perception that other people might have really plays a role in me feeling like I have failed or let people down or let myself down. I would say the same for me. And what I really hear is I'm losing credibility. Mm, Yeah. And the credibility, because we should have made the right decision the first time. Mm -hmm. This is what we should have done. We should have stuck with, and we can should our, should all over ourselves. But like you mentioned earlier, it's the right decision at the right time, or it's the right decision with the information that we have, or it's the right decision for the version of you that exists in this current moment. But we are evolving human beings. We are meant to grow. We are meant to change. We are meant to expand. And so if you think about it on the flip side, if you never let that evolve, you'd just be running in place and never actually acting on the opportunity to grow. And I think when you and I are speaking, we actually talked about this last night, that I think when you have some inkling, some gut instinct as to what feels right for you or something you want to dabble in or try or feel a passion about, I think sometimes we stuff it down rather than acting on it because we feel, one, we don't have the time or the ability to switch gears. Two, we have no idea how to actually do it. And three, what does that mean about us if we stop doing what we're currently doing? Mm-hmm. Where is that level of a failure, disappointment, rather than seeing it as a strength that you know when that itch is coming? That's how I kind of describe it to my husband. Like, I know when I'm growing because I can feel this itch of lack of, or of a complacency. And it's not a lack of commitment because when I'm in something, I'm in it. And I think there are more steps to have to follow through. I don't think you have to jump ship. I think sometimes it feels like this isn't working right now. How long do you stick with it? But I think that's where you really have to weigh it out. And how much am I sticking with it versus how much am I restricting myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can feel that inside too. I can think of when we talked to Shauna about following your intuition and, and recognizing what that feels like versus fear. And a lot of times it the restriction feeling like you're keeping yourself from doing something that you know inside is what what is really the right decision. But for whatever reason, for fearing a lack of credibility or wondering, is this even going to work out? Is it something that I'm going to be able to stick with? And you just don't make that decision anymore. Yeah, that is like that's making she said there's the difference between making your decisions based on fear or based on intuition. And I think that that's when you're basing it on fear because you're worried about what everyone's going to think about you and you're worried about the end of the road before you have even gotten started too. Yeah. And I think understanding each leg of the trip to get there rather than the whole journey is par for the course. And I know we all like to know what to expect, but I think that's where you have to trust in yourself of what's going to unfold. And That comes back to our conversations about resiliency and resourcefulness of knowing how to shift and pivot when it doesn't go according to plan. Is every decision I've switched and pivoted to been the right one? Not necessarily, but 
there were parts of it that might have been accurate or that I needed, but that doesn't mean that I'm stuck again. You don't have to keep backing yourself into a corner. I think it's knowing how to turn around and get out of it when it doesn't suit you. Yeah, that is a really great visual of you're not stuck. It's just figuring out how do I get out of here (laughs) or how do I move forward onto the next thing? And I kind of wonder if this plays into the lack of desire to grow as a human because it's scary too, that we really value stability and sameness and safety. And when you aren't willing to do those things, you're just going to stay in the same place, but you're also not going to grow as a human being. And I think that we maybe choose to not go a different route because we don't want to do the scary things of that growth is required of us too. Well, actually, what I think of when you say that is a lack of critical thinking and creative problem solving. So even in my current role in my my nine to fiver, one of my strengths is creative problem solving and solutions. And I think we are also taught that there are right ways and wrong ways to do things. Mm -hmm. And while there may be more accurate ways or certain procedures we have to follow, when we have such black and white thinking, we really cut ourselves off from the creativity of of having our cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. That's why I joke that, you know, my philosophy is get the most bang for your buck or, you know, yours is very similar as well. Like, how do you make the most of what you're working with? And those are creative solutions so that you can figure out how to have a piece of the things that bring you joy without it needing to feel like an all or nothing mentality. And I think that's really where we're going here is how do you navigate from an all or nothing mentality to using critical thinking skills to find creative solutions so that they work with you and in your lifestyle? Yeah. And I think that this is something that can be cultivated from a really young age because I'm thinking of the differences between certain types of education. And we really, like our education system really pushes black and white thinking. Like there is one way to do things and there's one way that you can solve this problem and get the answer right instead of opening it up to there are lots of right answers. And we don't really encourage that at all with kids. And I think a way to reframe this, to to shift our perspective, is to think of the black and white as guidelines rather than as truths. And I mean, in some, in some cases, obviously there is a, a, a right and a wrong, right? <laughs> yes. There are, those are boundaries in there for a reason. We're not going to say to our child, like, it's okay to touch the stove when it's hot, right? Right. It's, there's very clear boundaries in certain circumstances. But I feel like in many cases, if we think about the black and white or the, of the opposite ends of the spectrum as guidelines rather than absolute truths or rules, we can learn to live within the gray and can skew our, our thoughts and our actions and our feelings towards one side or the other, depending on where we're falling, but without it needing to feel like we are making a complete and utter decision. I mean, I tell this story all the time about, <laughs> and it, some way make all those manipulation, but it is. In all seriousness, it can be manipulation. And I want to just speak to this because manipulation is not a dirty word. Mm-hmm. When someone is able to manipulate, it means they are able to find a way to get what they need. Yeah. It doesn't absolutely. always mean at the expense of someone else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it really just means a creative solution mm-hmm. because you have to still, be, even in like the business world, you have to be able to meet the needs of clients and customers, even if 
you know, this is a certain policy or this is a certain procedure. Like you still have to create a working relationship, right? And I think it's it's somewhere similar here. And so I tell the story, or my mom tells the story. When I was a little girl, I see the red dress and the blue dress, and I didn't know which one I wanted. So one way or another, I figured out how to get both. Now, mm-hmm. did my mother cave into that? Sure. But I think it's an example of how I'm able to navigate to figure out how I get both. Maybe there was a dress with both red and blue, and now I felt like I could get this one instead that had both the colors I was looking for. And I'm just using that as an arbitrary example. I don't even think that's necessarily the truth of the story. But in one way or another, that is how I started to build those creative solutions of how can I figure out a way that makes me feel satisfied and someone else or satisfying a requirement. And I think that is that's really what like a negotiation is, what compromise is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So bringing this back to our careers, I shared in my episode how I navigated the pieces of what I wanted. And I talked a lot about how there were things that I knew even before I were in them that I wanted to do. I wanted to be in corporate America. I wanted to be in wellness. I wanted to focus on culture because culture in a workplace, especially for someone like me who enjoys what I do, I want other people to feel that joy and passion that I have. So how do we create the best environment where they can feel that? And so that was always like the basis of what I wanted. But I wanted to dabble in mental health. I wanted to be in a personal role rather than something that was more administrative, like working in HR benefits. And it's like, how do I get to that? And so it wasn't right in front of me. The answers weren't right in front of me. I had to do a lot of digging, Google searches and LinkedIn's and kind of really sitting and articulating and specifying what it is that I wanted to do and then trying to create a narrative around that because that's then what I started to search for. That's what I started to look for so that I could have these pieces, who I was in what I was doing. Yeah. And I I think the practice that you did of doing research while also taking on these jobs that didn't necessarily fit with what you were looking for, but helped you it guided you through the process of getting to the job where you're at now, which you had really manifested for yourself through all of this research and all of this, like you put energy into figuring out what is it that Sam actually wants right now. Sometimes I think we end up complacent in that and we just are like, well, this is where I'm at. We don't even know what we're going to do and we're just going to stick with what it is. Instead of being okay with this, it doesn't feel right right now, but it also can help me get to where I want to go. And how can I make that happen? And with my degree, I knew that I cared deeply about wellness and nutrition. I had switched my major like dead center in the middle of college. So I had already put in a solid two years going into elementary education, which is kind of funny because now I've realized really what I love to do is educate people. That is what I love to do is the teaching piece. It just wasn't quite the right fit for me in elementary ed. But the jobs for nutrition are in dietetics. But also dietetics is in a hospital setting. You have very strict ways and protocols that you're supporting people, and people there don't necessarily want to make the changes that you're trying to give to them. So I also knew that that wasn't for me, but I was like, well, I'm going to do this because this is what I care about, and 
I'm going to figure out a way to use this somehow in some way that feels good to me. And here I am, like figuring it out 12, 15 years later of how to bring that in into different types of education for people. Well, I think people are afraid of getting it wrong, like we said before. So they're afraid of trying the wrong thing, taking the wrong job, because what does it mean if, I, if this doesn't work? And I think mm-hmm. what's more important than knowing what you want is knowing what you don't want. And I take mm-hmm. that even back to dating mm-hmm. again, is that I had to actually put myself in these situations with these people in these relationships, short, long, whatever, to determine what was it that I was willing to accept and what was it that I was that was a non-negotiable for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And that really is what taught me more about myself and more of a personal aspect. And then that transferred over into my careers because I think you have to give it a try because you're not going to know. Because the truth is, is you may have an inkling. And you know, for me, chances are it's been right, but there might be parts of it that I wasn't anticipating, good and bad, because it might have seemed like the ideal position on paper. But when I get put into it, maybe that's not that's not happening the same way as that I w- as what my expectations were. And so I think you have to be willing to try in order to see what your next move is. And I think that we're always looking to see what our next move is or we're willing to stay stuck. And when you're willing to stay stuck, I don't mean to sound that, to sound harsh, but you're creating your own issue by being willing to stay stuck cuz no movement is a decision. Yeah, 100%. Especially if you know this doesn't feel good. And I'm still choosing to stay here. And this isn't something that I have talked about a ton publicly, but I have been really reconsidering my postpartum, my one-on-one postpartum care because something is not feeling right about it. And I, on paper, again, on paper, it looks like the perfect job for me and what I care about and how I know that People need to be supported so well postpartum, but something about it is not working for me. And so being willing to maybe say, you know, I put in a lot of time and effort into this and it's not feeling right and being willing to accept that and sit with it and figure out what about this is working and what isn't working, and how can I shift and adjust what I'm doing so that it is more aligned with what I need to be doing. And the key word there is not working anymore. Mm -hmm. At one point, it worked. And when you shift, it doesn't mean you're, you know, jumping overboard. You're not completely going, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. There's a component of what you were doing that still feels right to you. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. here, but how do I use it in a different capacity? Yeah, because that's what I'm currently exploring is how can I use these skills and the things that feel right and the pieces that are so important to me and take them into a different type of position doing that. And that is something that I don't know 100% the answer to right now, but it is something that I am exploring. And actually, I would say that some of us also are trying to rush that process. We want to have that answer really quickly. We want to have that answer as soon as we decide this isn't necessarily for us. We think, okay, we're ready to switch gears now. What's the response? What's the transition? But sometimes that takes time, not only to be able to articulate and have the clarity for but to find it out there. And it's funny how you said I manifested that job and I 100% believe that I manifested that job, but I didn't 
create it out of thin air. It existed. So when we talk manifestation, it's not always so much that we are, we're not magicians. I promise you that. But it's like the analogy of when you're looking for the yellow car, you're going to find the yellow car. The yellow cars could have been out there all the time, but you might not have been focused on it because you weren't looking for it. And when you're able to clarify and articulate what it is that interests you or you enjoy doing, I love the teaching component as well, then it all of a sudden starts to click. And then we can say, okay, these are the things that I'm looking for. I actually gave Alexis this example last night. Someone had asked me about how I became so passionate with Beauty Counter. And one of the things that I had realized only recently is that it takes me back to being an elementary student. And if someone was teased or picked on or needed a friend, you bet your ass it was Sam that was defending them, sticking up for them, befriending them because I wouldn't tolerate it. And I didn't like when people treated other people badly and I was sure as shit going to let you know it. And I felt that if they didn't have a voice to use on their own, I was going to help them. Cue beauty counter. It's the same philosophy. We're standing up and using our voice on behalf of others because people either don't know better or don't have the means to do better or afford better because we we know that right anything in the the cleaner industry tends to be more pricey so it is not economically feasible for many folks. And so the whole point here with changing better beauty laws is so that it is accessible regardless of whether or not you walk into, you know, Nordstrom beauty counter. Haha. <laughs> pun not intended, or <laughs> or you walk into Walgreens or Sephora or Ulta and mm-hmm. know that the products you're buying are are clean. And so my point is that it's a platform that really connects to who I am as a person, but I didn't even put those two things together in terms of like, you know, speaking up for people as a kid to what I do now. And so I think sometimes you have to sit with yourself and really think about why. Why do I enjoy this? And just keep asking why over and over once you get to that next level. Alexis did this with me and well, tears came up. <laughs> it's always a deep why. There's always the more whys that you ask, the more that you're like, gosh, this is really, there's a deep reason. But I think that that is so important is the willingness to sit with yourself and ask yourself why and be willing to listen for the answer. Because otherwise, if you don't get quiet and you aren't willing to sit with yourself on that, you're never going to know. And you're going to continue feeling like things just are not quite there. Yep. And that goes back to Shauna. That goes back to our first episode of the year, talking about pausing. And hopefully you're noticing a theme here that these first few months have really been about reflection. You can't plan where you're going if you don't know where you are and where you've been. And so if you want to dabble in more things, if you want to explore, if you have interests and you've just been quieting them, think about what they are and think about why you've been quieting them. Yeah. Because I think it's time to raise the volume. That was super cheesy, but I am super cheesy. So we are embracing that. <laughs> That's okay. I'm really cheesy too. <laughs> We're in good company. Now, I think that that's so important and to continue to remind ourselves that we can always change our minds. If it is not working, that is okay. And 
this like societal expectation that you're going to just make the one perfect decision the first time and you have to stick with that and there's something wrong with you if you change your mind, we have to throw that away because it keep it limits us. It keeps us from trying new things. I have one more comment before we wrap up. I think some of it is generational as well. A lot of our parents were in jobs for 20 plus years. They stayed with the same company in the same position or the same industry. And there's a sense of loyalty. Now, do I suggest hopping around every year? No, I don't. Because I do think you have to give things sufficient time for trial runs to see what it is that you like. And you have to work through things that are hard. You can't just say, this is too hard. I can't do it. Like You have to really determine what is it before you decide to make that shift. But no longer are the days of being in positions for 20 years. I mean, we see in our age group, we're millennials, they're, you know, we're moving more frequently and it's actually encouraged in many ways because it shows that there is an ambition and a drive. And I think it's like anything in life, there's a fine line and a balance between a sense of stability and loyalty and erratic <laughs> job shifting. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to know yourself in order to do that well. Yeah, it really does seem to come down to you have to be willing to get to know yourself really well so that you can be confident making those decisions. So, And we're still learning ourselves. So I don't even know if that was proper English. We're (laughs) learning about ourselves. We are. We are. This is as much a chat with ourselves as it is with you. So. All right. Well, I think that is a great place to stop and we will probably return to this topic later. Yes. All right, my friend. Well, I will. We will speak soon and we'll see everyone. Every, well, I guess we won't technically see anyone, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be here next week. <laughs> we'll be here next week. <laughs> there, are no, there are no plans for YouTube podcasts. Not no. the way we show up. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so you'll hear from us in a week. Yes, you'll hear from us. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice or mental health services. If you are in a mental health crisis, please call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or 911. Did today's episode of Perspectively Yours hit the spot? It would mean the world to us if you'd show us some love with these three effortless ways to help your fave podcast thrive. First up, the most important, never miss an episode by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Just head over to our show page, tap the plus sign and select follow. Next, leave us a shiny five-star rating and review on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us make each episode better and better. Last but not least, share your favorite episode with a friend. The power of word of mouth is undeniable, and we would be over the moon if you spread the love about Perspectively Yours. Before we let you go, here's a fun fact. We met through Beauty Counter, our favorite clean beauty brand, and are both brand advocates. If you've been looking for safer products that actually give you results, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the code CLEANFORALL20. Don't forget to follow us each on Instagram at Ms. underscore Samantha Kehoe and Alexis.TheNourishedBeginnings. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources we mentioned. 
thank you for being here. We are grateful for your support and love.